At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. I don't know if you saw this, but Sports Betting Report came out with a recent survey about sports betting in general, some of the habits, and I thought it was pretty interesting. They published it on Monday. They surveyed 1,250 adults who gamble on sports. I don't know where the area was for this. I don't know if they specified that i'm sure they did uh, but just over 1200 adults who gamble on sports they conducted it from may 6th through 7th of this year and among americans who participate in sports betting 24 percent bet daily 42 percent gamble on sports a few days per week uh, and more interesting to me 57 percent started betting on sports within the last five years imagine that uh, the growth of all the online betting for sure boosted that uh, it also said 39% of daily sports gamblers bet on average, which this was troubling to me, half or more of their monthly take-home pay. Of those gamblers who bet on sports daily, 10% regularly bet upwards of 70% of what they earn each month. At that point, I hope it's extra income for you. And for six out of 10 of those bettors, they said gambling is a source of extra income. 35% said it was their main source of income. So that may explain what's going on there, but um, I don't recommend your bankroll is, you know, 50% of your take-home pay or 70%, unless you're just a savant at this. And then congrats, great job, get that extra income. But I don't know that sports betting is... No, I'm going to say this. It's definitely not the safest source of income at all. And any professional gambler will tell you that. 
Uh, I myself am not a professional gambler, so you can see why I don't have the confidence in that to be able to do something like that. But um, nevertheless, very interesting stats. And as it pertains to gender, when they broke it down by gender, I thought this was also fun. 26% of the women and 23% of men are daily sports gamblers. So of the people they surveyed, 26% of the women, so 3% more than the men, were daily sports gamblers. And interestingly enough, pretty almost pretty even on that stat, actually, gender-wise. They did say that men were more likely than women to say they bet on a sports a few times per week as opposed to daily. So men were the more a few times per week as opposed to every day, uh, 45% compared to 36 But really love that it's such an equal opportunity hobby, I guess is what I'll say, uh, to see that men and women are both getting involved in it. And it's also, I think, going to open a lot of doors. It's one of the reasons I really love talking about the WNBA, besides the fact that I love to watch it. If it gets you in the door to watch this incredible product, I'm all in for that. And so I just think this is, oh my God, my soapbox for a minute. It's great to see that women are getting involved in this too a little bit more. I think that classically they've been excluded in some places of sports or some spaces of sports. Um, and betting kind of welcomes all, at least that's been my experience so far. So shout out to, uh, the women's sports bettors out there as well. Uh, and also the why behind this was interesting to me. 70% said it's a fun hobby. Sure. That's where I'm at. I'm agree with this one. Tell me which ones you agree with. Fun hobby. 70%. Absolutely. Check the box. 49% said as a way to earn extra money. Mm, that's not why I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, it certainly does that for some, uh, not why I'm doing it. It does make me some money. It does it in a very stressful way, I have to say. It's not the easiest way I make money. 43% um, enjoy the adrenaline rush of gambling. Ooh, asterisk for me. Definitely. I mean, I enjoy it, but that's definitely, again, not why I'm doing it. If anything, <laughs> something that gives me an adrenaline rush like that. Have you ever heard the term adrenaline junkie? Like, that's mm, red flag to me a little bit. If you're saying I'm in it for the rush... Ooh, I worry about your bankroll. And 43% said it makes sporting events more interesting. Yes, 100%. Check that box three times for me. I love making the game more interesting. Have you ever heard, like, have you seen those old movies? Or I guess maybe there's new movies that say this too. Or they're like, care to make it interesting? Yeah, I would. I absolutely would. So fun hobby. Makes it more interesting. Absolutely check those boxes for me. And if it makes extra money, yeah, great, wonderful. Um, which it has so far this year. So good things looking green. Uh, most importantly, 80% of the daily gamblers, the daily ones, said that the habit, which again, language, uh, has a positive effect on their lives. So that's, you know, pour one out for the other 20%. In today's show, part one, we're going to talk Dodgers and Angels. But you know I'm going to bring in a baseball guest because we know that's not my strength. Know your strengths. Rule number one in betting. Probably not number one, but definitely one of the rules. Anyways, Ben Wilson of Eason is going to be here, and he took the time while he was away on a trip. He's going to tell us where he is doing some play-by-play -play this week, but uh, here to talk about the Dodgers, who are in action against the Nationals one last time here on Wednesday, afternoon game, 1.05 p.m. Pacific time, and then also Wednesday, Rangers at Angels, 6.40 p.m. Pacific time. They did get that win on Tuesday, which is nice because they were swept when they were at the Rangers not but a week ago, but Ben will be here to break that all down. I'm sure he's got some insight, actionable insight. And we'll ask them about the MVP discussion as well, because Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, even Mookie Betts making some noise, of course. Uh, and then the WNBA, as always. Wednesday, Mercury at the LA Sparks. We forget it's the LA CityCast sometimes, but the Sparks are, are in the mix on Wednesday. And Thursday, Wings at Sun, part two, because they actually played on Tuesday already. And surprise, the Wings upset. 
Yeah. First things first, though, we check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. Dodgers, minus 265 to win the NL West. This was 275. It's now 265. Slight change. Plus 220 to win the NL. I think a 10 cent move on that as well. 10 cent more value. <laughs> and plus 475 to win the World Series. As for the Angels, plus 205 to win the AL West, 9 to 1 to win the AL, and 20 to 1 to win the World Series. As for their Wednesday games, the Dodgers. Minus 220 on the money line. That sounds about right, especially the way they've been spanking the Nationals the last two games. Uh, the Dodgers, minus one and a half. That's the run line at minus 136. The Nationals, money line, plus 180. No, no, not interesting to me. And plus one and a half is the run line for them, obviously, plus 108. Mm, nope, not interested. If anything, Dodgers run line sticks out. Total for this one, eight and a half. The last two games have definitely gone over this be interesting to see if it could do it if they could do it again the Dodgers offense seems to be cliche incoming firing on all cylinders so we'll see what Ben thinks about that uh Angels Wednesday action that's an evening game Rangers plus 145 on the money line Angels minus 175 on the money line and the total sitting at eight and a half as for the WNBA as promised Wednesday action Mercury the Phoenix Mercury at the Los Angeles Sparks the Sparks had a rigorous couple first weeks here. This is only their second home game of the season, and their last home game was kind of abysmal, was not a good showing. And we know for a fact that in L.A., uh, we don't like teams that don't show up and get it done, especially at home. So the Sparks going to have to write that ship. They're getting two and a half points here. Both teams uh, only have two wins. Sparks are two and five. Mercury are two and four. And the total for this game, 164 and a half. More on that in a little bit, a little bit later on in the show. The NFL... Rams are 11 to 1 to win the Super Bowl and the Chargers are 16 to 1. It's good to live in LA. You can find all these odds and more at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. So at this time, let's welcome in Ben Wilson of VSIN. That's where I know him from, at least. You can find him as a co-host on the run line, a great show on Sundays sometimes. He's also play-by-play extraordinaire. He's everywhere. And where are you now, Ben? Because you are checking in with us from not Las Vegas. Uh, no, th this this thing behind me, that is a hotel room. I'm in the, the Hyatt Place, highly recommend. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Actually, Mesa, to be more specific. Uh, we got college baseball postseason, which will be bettable. Uh, not right now, but we're in the conference tournament stage. So I'm doing the WAC conference tournament for ESPN Plus all week. And then we'll, next week, though, we'll have regionals. And you can bet those every single every single game to your heart's content. Do you, do you bet those? Do you find good value in betting college baseball? Um, it is one of the – like, you know how there's the old saying, you need uh, whiskey and, and a revolver to sweat you know, major league baseball? <laughs> I mean, take that and just multiply it by, like, 20 with college baseball because the uh, – so the totals are actually really interesting in college baseball because these teams – uh, it is you know, the aluminum bats, right? And usually, a lot of for, for many of these teams, pitching is certainly comes at a premium, and there's not that many great arms. So things can tend to get out of hand with some of these games, where you have like one or two studs, and then things just kind of fall apart after that. Um, mm -hmm. So I usually will end up betting totals if, if anything. I'll, I'll play some teams in the futures market. I have a ticket on Arizona from like the first week of the season at twenty-eight to one. I thought they like they I had them the first week of the year, and then they've kind of struggled they've had a lot of injuries so they're they're going to make the tournament but they will not be like a number one seed like i thought they would be they'll be like a two or a three um mm -hmm. so it's a but it's fun though well since it's the la city cast what about what about my bruins how how's ucla been looking because i know that's a really solid baseball program no look, always always really solid um they look they're i mean every single year and actually the pac-12 tournament um starts here pretty pretty soon 
um, in Scottsdale. So right, right where I'm at, essentially. But um, no, UCLA's right in the mix. Like they had a good uh, 19 and 11 in Pac-12 play. So I mean, they're mm. you know they're solid. That's they're... a bad year for them, I think. Well, the Pac-12 <laughs> is good. I mean, they're they're solid. I mean, looking at I mean for the NCAA tournament, like you know they'll. They're like they're they're not going to be. I don't think they're going to host a regional. They're probably on the outside looking in. They're top twenty in the country right now, which again, by their standards, not amazing. But they'll be in the tournament. Right. They'll be live, Danielle. Come on, give them a chance. Yeah. Well, I was actually talking. It's funny. My dad actually watches like every UCLA sport: soccer, <laughs> baseball, softball. He'll text me. He'll be like, "Did you see this?" And I'm like, "Oh, probably not. Probably not before you." Uh, but we great. were talking about how UCLA softball program, same situation. Like they're just so elite. Maybe similar to the Dodgers. I don't know. It's just an LA team thing. Uh, uh, that this year is like a, a down year for them in some ways, but it's still like they're still so much better. So that's kind of how I feel about. I mean, well, UCLA's USC, softball and baseball. Like USC's yeah? horrible in baseball. I mean, by again, by their standards, they're not in the. UCLA top- has a baseball team? I'm just yeah, kidding. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and y'all. It's just not real. their sport. It's not their sport. Uh, Benjamin, I need help with baseball. And we have some Dodgers action. The Dodgers offense mm-hmm. has finally picked up, which has been a lot, a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the Dodgers-Nationals game on Wednesday first because it's earlier in the day. It's around 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 105, if you're being specific. I'm seeing Julio Rios on the mound for the Dodgers. Eric Fede for the Nationals. And the Dodgers Wap. took it. Fetty, well, I took it. I see the Dodgers um, just mollywomped them the first two games here, and that's kind of what the prediction was for these. The lines were out of control. I think the Dodgers in the first game money line was minus 240, which is the highest I've seen it. So Molly what do you think we're going to see in this final a, game? That is a very accurate description. Taking you back. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, when you start saying throwing <laughs> Benjamins out, I, I know I have to lock in, right? I got, I got to be real. Yes. Uh, so the thi- what's interesting, too, and I, I, I'm pretty sure the last time I was on the show, uh, Urias was about to make another start, and we were talking about him. Yeah. And I, I wanted just to see a couple, because he you know, had a, a somewhat, not, I wouldn't say slow start, but um, there were a couple, you know, a couple games early he got knocked around. I just wanted to see him uh, in a couple starts, and I have to say, like, even though, so this is one of those weird years where normally I'd be not panicking, but I'd be concerned if I saw a guy who was a, a traditional strikeout pitcher all of a sudden just fall off the map as far as strikeouts go, just because if you're not missing bats, if you're not fooling guys, there's usually something deeper that's going wrong. And Urias is below seven strikeouts per nine for the first time in his career, which you would mm-hmm. think would be worrisome. But but here's like this, you know, the not so hidden secret of this baseball season, and it's it's that. With the baseballs being dead now, really the the whole emphasis from these pitching staffs is pitch to contact, don't nibble. Do, like the last thing you want to do is walk guys because the balls are not flying, and if you can induce weak contact and induce a lot of you know weakly hit fly balls, you're going to be good. So I look at Urias, and even though the strikeout numbers are way down, he has a career best hard hit percentage. It's down in the in the low 20s, which is a really really solid among the among the elites of starting pitchers and he's inducing fly balls at a near 45% clip, which is, I mean, for him, that's, that's been his career high. So clearly, and all these teams are trying to do this. It's just a matter of who can execute the best, but he is clearly following that blueprint and it's having success. And his underlying numbers basically say that, you know, the, the ERA numbers where he's at right now are, are basically where they should be you know, essentially, it's not like he's getting super lucky with inflated, you know, batting average on balls in play, things like that. So he's clearly figured this out. And when you look at Washington, they're, they're, you look at isolated power, which all you have to do to calculate that, you're just subtracting uh, batting at basically the batting average from slugging percentage. You're trying to figure out, all right, you know, like how, like for raw percentage, how much power is an average team, or you can do this for player as well. 
um, you know, what are we getting as far as power? So if you had an isolated power of zero, that essentially just means you're hitting singles every time because you'd have, you know, your slugging would directly correlate there to your batting average. So Washington is 29th in isolated power. So they're not hitting right. for power at all. They're well below average in hard hit percentage. Uh, and so as a result, you compare that to Mr. Fetty Wap on the mound. Um, I swear that's the last time I'll say that, Daniel. Okay. Uh, no, I love it. I, I knew you would. Uh, as a fellow like <laughs> mid 2010s, co- you know, college student, you you have to appreciate a little Fetty Wap reference. So he he's basically doing the one thing you're not supposed to do, Fet- Eric Fetty, and he's walking a ton of guys. It's four. I mean, over four and a half for nine, and you throw that into the fact that the Dodgers are a team. They're at a, over 11 percent walk rate. They're one of the most patient, disciplined teams, and it's not just that. It's because a lot of opposing pitchers are trying to throw around him because they know how how good they are. I mean, you're you're basically top five right now. The Dodgers are in every single uh, hitting category. And that's even with, that's on the basis of the season, even with that little, that week too long uh, swoon that you just talked about, Danielle. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is like the only hesitation you would have, and we talked about it the last time I was on, is the whole you know, the whole getaway day thought when you're a team from the West Coast on the East Coast, you're just trying to get the hell out of there. But when you outscore a team, what, 19 to five, the first two games of the series, and this Washington team is so overmatched outside of Juan Soto, even laying it, I'm seeing a dollar thirty on the overnight run line. I yeah. given everything I just said with the, the way the pitching matchup sets up and how like one pitcher's strength is perfect against a, a, you know the opposing team's weakness at the plate with Washington and and vice versa for Fetty his struggles playing right into the Dodgers strengths. I would still lay that with, with the Dodgers and they're what they're behind only the Mets this year and as far as profitability just blindly betting the run line it's still uh, they're going to be what 28 wins on the run line and, and 29 overall so. As much as that's a you know, public, uh, I don't I'm gonna say square play, but that's a play that a lot of people are doing blindly. I think those are actually a couple of reasons why you can get behind like finding value on that play, even though that's the play everybody's gonna say, oh, you're you're super uh, you're supernova over here recommending a Dodgers run line play. But I actually think there is some value. That's the only way. Who's betting Dodgers money lines? You're losing money. So I mean. If you can find a minus 130 on a run line on the Dodgers, like, you have to ask yourself, like, is there value here? So I like your point. Like, this, it's run lines in general, not necessarily we're looking at value plays here, but we bet the Dodgers. That's kind of what we're up against. What's interesting to me, though, is that this is so low. So is there something with Fetty here that I'm missing? Because getting the Dodgers at minus 130, like you said, seems like a really good value here. And also... The Dodgers' first innings, can we talk about that? Outscoring opponents uh-huh. 16 runs in the first innings of games. Ooh. I mean, it, it's... That's got yes run of the first inning written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we? I'm pretty sure I gave one out. The last, and what's funny, too, is like the last time I was on, I'm, I'm pretty sure we discussed this. And I yeah. was like, yeah, we got to go for it. And like, yes, first inning, over. And I think that they lost one nothing. I'm pretty sure that happened the next day. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, of course. But no, I'm with you on that. And when you're, I mean, when you're a guy in Eric Fetty who has come out and has not had any command, and he's, I mean, he like he was not great, but he was a solid mid to back end starter for Washington last year. He's just lost a lot of command this season. And again, that's like that's the one thing that's really getting penalized, especially by mm-hmm. these good teams. It's not just the Dodgers. I mean, it's everybody. If you're walking guys, you're not going to be long for for a rotation unless you're in Washington, where they they've been in complete sell mode and their ace Patrick Corbin is has been one of the worst that's you know starting pitchers in baseball and he's obviously getting trotted out there still every fifth day. So if you're if you're telling me Daniel you're going into a game where you have no feel over over control, you're getting hit hard and you're going up against an elite lineup, even a lineup that will be you know likely sitting some guys, that's still you know, even at a deflated number, that's still not a bad play. 
So sitting some guys, maybe that factors into why I'm seeing an eight and a half total yeah, in some look, spots, which is interesting because 11 uh, runs in the first game, 13 or 14 in the second. Yeah. And so when you're out, you know, when you're putting up those sort of numbers and it's just been a complete bloodbath. So what we saw too, like the like the last series for the or last weekday series for the Nationals played uh, the Milwaukee Brewers and it was the same deal, like just absolutely non-competitive first two games. Day game, game three, I believe the Nats won 8 nothing, And, you know, the Brewers, like, they had some guys out of the lineup. Uh, the, the, I mean, again, it's apples to oranges when you're talking about because we're always trying to handicap pitching matchups and, and playing strengths to weaknesses. But I think there's that general thought of you know, people, I think, in the, in the betting market are like, all right, sweeps are difficult. Day games for that West Coast team on the East Coast. But, I mean, I, at the end of the day, Daniel, I try not to, like, I try not to look too much into those sort of blanket narratives. And I just, you know, Details, just like, look at the yeah. matchup. Just look at the matchup. This is, this is a great spot. I, I, even I, if, I have even to if do that. Off two straight blowout wins if you're the Dodgers. Yeah, I can't. I get get too lost in the details with baseball because there is so many details in baseball. Like I have enough to worry about with the stats, let alone where oh well, this and this superstition and this I can't do in baseball. Um, the Dodgers also have the Diamondbacks coming back. Why do I feel like the Dodgers have played the Diamondbacks a million times already at the start of this season? Because they have. I mean, it basically are. Yeah. It's... And of course, like a, a, you know, we're talking about division rivals and and things of that nature. Is it, is it just me or is the NL West? suddenly very good i mean it seems like all the teams are above 500 still right uh everybody except the rockies who have forgotten how to play baseball at Coors they finally Field, dropped but, uh, finally dropped well, out look so the diamondbacks bring in <laughs> brent strom as a pitching coach this offseason from the astros organization I mean, there's, as we talked today like they're 500 they're so they had i mean it was a era well over five as their their staff last year and it wasn't like they got unlucky i mean they were just horrific uh, and they've i mean they've significantly improved just you know all across the board I, i've been a huge i think i've talked about this before i've been a huge Mer merrill kelly fan what he has done as one of their top starters they've gotten this late you know, career resurgence out of madison bumgarner and they're mm. like the production is there like it's every guy in the rotation has they've, they've shown significant improvement starting rotation bullpen and you're now down i mean it's you know it's an era just a touch over four which isn't you know amazing by any means but from where they were at danielle and when you think about the fact their win total was 63 and a half I mean, you're at a you're at a 22 and 22 <laughs> clip here. Like we have got a pretty good sample size. I, it, not that I expect Arizona to really compete for a playoff spot, but they're not a pushover. And when you combine that with the Rockies, who are a really really tough team, anytime you face them at Coors, I mean, different story when they're not at Coors. But that's a team that's really hard, at least half the games of the season. And and mm -hmm. a Giants team who's Giants are kind of going through what the Dodgers went through a couple weeks ago, and I was last on the show where. Uh, they've sort of forgotten how to hit and pitch all at the same time. And they, you know, as we talk right now, they've lost five straight. But that's a yeah. team you just, like, you figure, even if you imagine some regression from last year where they won 107 games, feels a little unrealistic to, you know, to repeat that, they're going to be there at the end of the day. Uh, and, and then San Diego. When you actually have a real manager, Danielle, like, that kind of matters, okay? Jace Tingler should not have been a major league manager after, what, after the travesty that was last year, like when you waste a season with that much talent. So, look, they bring in a real – I mean, they have Bob Melvin, who's a legitimate MLB manager. And they have the talent, and they actually know how to manage that on a day-to-day -day basis, and you're seeing the results. So, I mean, I think I saw Padres are still, like, plus 280 to, to win the division. I, I I wouldn't hate actually taking a shot at San Diego at, like, 6-1 to one to win the NL. I mean, they're going to be there. Um, yeah. It's just, you know – I talked with Adam Burke about this exact option. Because, because the NL West is, is kind of deep. And, and you might get a slightly better number just because yeah. if you're coming out as a wild card. I think he said Padres. he liked the Giants better, actually. But I said, is there worth a look at the Padres? And I think there's. A I don't know I, if he was hot on it. I, I think there's. It's worth a look.
Yeah, especially six to one. Like you said, like you're not getting that on anybody else in that. Adam Burke and um, I were just always, you know, simpatico with how we're thinking, clearly. Yeah, of course. Of well, that's, that's why the show is so good. That's why the, that, that's why the run line is so good. Uh, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts has been lighting it up lately, and right now in the National League MVP odds, at least at Bet Rivers, he is seven to one. Manny Machado in the lead there at two to one, and Mookie's finally kind of woken up, and it's really exciting and fun to watch. Frankly, um, what what have you thought about what we've seen from him, and, and would you look at him as a possible possible MVP ticket worthy? Look, it's one of those. He's one of those players who's going to be live. He's going to be in the mix uh, every, you know, every year, and it. I think it. When you kind of step back and look at a guy who's he's not really getting much buzz, and the, I mean the fact mm-hmm. is, like, for a guy of his stature, you know, like you're hitting 280, 40 games in the year, uh, yeah. ten, ten home. I mean, look, ten homers, twenty five RBI. So you're basically on here. Uh, you know, and this is again, if if you're assuming that they're gonna, you know, play him most every day, you're on. I mean, what does that pace out to? You're on essentially like a thirty six homer. 95 RBI pace right now at, at 280. Like, it, it's not bad. Um, I mean, again, our, our, the issue I just, you know, I have, and he's a, been a great player, but if you're talking about award, Marcus Daniel, mm-hmm. if you have the pedigree of a player like Mookie Betts, those are really good numbers. But, like, the voters are going to expect you to go beyond and beyond. And this is the issue you get into yeah. with, you know, with a lot of these hitters where we talk about Machado, who comes out just, you know, just guns blazing and, it sort of correlates to what we were just talking about where the Padres have that collapse last year and people have you know, been waiting for Manny to really, really emerge and explode in San Diego. Like with the Mookie thing, you know, again, this is why it's always hard handicapping the, these award races where the voters mm-hmm. have such a big say. I mean, you know, he obviously takes LA by storm, leads him to a World Series, great, all that. He's always going to be consistent. And, you know, look, I mean, you know, you think about, you know, last year with, with injuries and struggling and hitting uh, lowest lowest batting average of his career, um, you know, since basically, uh, I guess, like his 2017 season there with Boston, you're just asking these guys to do a lot above, you know, above their baseline. If you're asking them, asking voters to be convinced enough uh, to actually pick them as an MVP, especially when the team around you is so loaded. Um, it, it's a guy who's certainly he's going to get votes, Danielle, and he's going to be there. And the numbers suggest like, you know, he still has, a, you know, certainly has room to go up when he hasn't mm-hmm. even been at his best. And he's still on a pace of nearly 40, 40 homers, 100 RBI and 280. <laughs> It's just how much higher than that does he have to go? And you, anytime you're talking Dodgers and and um, and in these award futures, you have to keep in mind there's the caveat there where, like these teams, I mean they're going to be you know in a position to, uh, you would think you know cruise to a postseason. Now if the Padres push them like the Giants did last year, maybe that's not the case. But you always have to keep that in the back of your mind too. Like are, is is Dave Roberts? How does he play this sitting guys? And we've already seen mm-hmm. and Betts was just out of the out of out of, uh, out of the lineup. Uh, yeah, the other day here so uh you know it, it's even on a even on a non-getaway day that's still a possibility that, that's what i would think it's not not a guy i'm really interested in playing um but he's gonna yeah he'll be he'll be in the mix that's for sure it's tough with those mvp categories when you play the dodgers you play a dodgers player and like you said they have so much talent that it's going to take a lot of the different votes away from each other right. um, but mookie looks like he's been great i mean last 22 games 28 and 89 hitting 315 which is much better obviously than his season average um 17 rbis from there eight home runs and then just even more recently over the last week hitting 393 three home runs eight rbis so really really seems like he's finally getting his uh his swing back, which is nice to see. Uh, let's also talk about the Angels. I want to make sure we have time to do that as well. So Angels, 
uh, are hosting the Rangers. It didn't go so well for them when they were at the Rangers. They no. got swept. Uh, but it looks like, at least at the time of this recording, it looks like they are up 4-0 to zero, uh, against the Rangers in Tuesday's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Wednesday's game, Glenn Otto. Is it Otto or Odo? Glenn Otto. Otto. Glenn Otto. Glenn Otto uh, for the Rangers. And then <laughs> Reed Detmers for the Angels. So what do you think of this game? Do you have action on it? What do you Give, think? Uh, I, well, I would have action if I was in uh, back in Nevada. I mean, I am in a league betting <laughs> jurisdiction. I just, I'd have to do that. I'd get that. It's just a long process. They don't, they don't actually make it easy uh, for you to do. They, they, and I'm kind of, pissed <laughs> this uh, oh, I really like the over here. I'm, not, I'm a little surprised. It's actually juiced under, I'm seeing eight and a half under uh, 15. Uh, my, you get yeah. 105 right now. And it, I don't know if this is because like read, you know, read that. People, I'm not sure if the market is still maybe overvaluing him coming off the no-hitter, but this is a guy in general who – and, like, I like him in a long-term process. Remember, he's only 22. Like, he's super young. <laughs> but the, all the numbers just scream regression on, on Detmers, and we we saw that in his last start. And his, you know, what's odd is this Rangers team that you know, we look at and we say, okay, this is kind of a, a joke of an offense. And, you know, they spent all this money on Corey Sager and Marcus Semien, and, and yet they're, you know, among the bottom of the league. In, in WRC plus, but they're actually, I mean, they're top half of the league in, in hard hit, hard hit percentage. They've gotten mm-hmm. really unlucky on, on batted balls in play. They're second, or they're in the bottom five in, in bat pips so far, as far as lowest. So you'd expect a lot of those things when you're hitting balls hard and you're getting unlucky with the balls you put in play, you would, you would assume there's going to be some positive regression on the offensive side. Combine that with Detmers. Okay. 172 a bat pip against that's a, that's a joke. Okay. That's not going to last. It's complete <laughs> comedy. Okay, Daniel. I, I know, like, when you have a no-hitter, I mean, you're going to have a ridiculously low backup to begin with. But not only that, this matchup against the Rangers, it's two, his last two starts, uh, it's been, I mean, it's been brutal. He's given up, what, eight runs in seven innings combined. And you could kind of expect it in his last start where he was coming off the no-hitter. But it's it's not just that it's, you know, super low backup, but he's – you know, at least to me, the biggest thing I've noticed with Detmers is he's gotten a lot better with command. He walked nearly five batters in, uh, per nine last year. He's basically cut that in half, but still giving up a, a good amount of hard contact, over 40%. And again, you when you see a guy who's still young, learning how to pitch in the big leagues, who's more of like a third, fourth starter than, than more of an ace, you're going to, you know, you're going to have when you're putting, especially when you're not walking guys and you're, you know, getting contact, there's going to be a lot of variance there. And he's been on the total right side of variance so far. I believe like that ends. I believe that ends uh, in in this spot against Texas and Glenn Otto, is, is kind of the similar thing we just talked about um, earlier in, in the show here with uh, the starter Eric Fetty for Washington. Like walking it, one mm. of guys, a lot of hard contact and the Angels. I mean, for as much as I'm a little bit down on their pitching staff as a whole, outside of Otani, just believing there's some regression coming there. I mean, the hitting you can't deny, and it's it's right there with the the Dodgers with I mean, isolated powers, top five WRC plus. They're hitting the ball hard. And when you're facing a, you know, a guy who can't really throw strikes, which last time I checked, sort of an issue. Uh, this, should, this, this to me plays into a perfect sense of two pitchers I'm not really necessarily that high on, at least right now from where they're at. And one pitcher who's probably being overvalued in the market is going to give us, a, you know, obviously this is an eight and a half total. So it's not like you're, you know, it's not like a low total, but right. the fact that it's, you know, juice to the under tells me there's still a little bit of that residual uh, market respect there uh, for, for our guy Detmers after that no hit 
I was just checking in on how Noah Syndergaard was faring in this Rangers-Angels game because I know the last time out against them, he had a horrible situation happen to him. He didn't even make it through a full inning and allowed a bunch of earned runs, but no earned runs for him through five innings at least, so at least he hey. bounced back. I'm always so scared, so scared for poor Noah after that first outing against them. Um, but okay, so for that reason, would you look more to the Rangers in this matchup on uh, Wednesday? I, like, especially too, I mean, like Angels up 5-0 right here, bottom of the fifth. Yeah, and Again, when you're comparing two pitchers who, you know, who are certainly not super high on, uh, and you have that, and you're going to have a spot where, where the Rangers are a dog here. I mean, I, de I definitely lean that way. Uh, if anything, though, like I would maybe look at a take a first five position if, if you're so like if mm. you're going to be fading. That's how I've been you know, having to bet the Angels. Well, and when you're fading, yeah, when you're fading specific starting pitching too. I mean, it's not like the Rangers bullpen is all that impressive. And again, you worry mm -hmm. about. Especially for Otto, a guy who you know, who pitches into a lot of deep counts and walks guys, it's going to be hard for him to go deep. So if anything, if I'm if I'd be looking at a, at a side and I'd want to you know, take a stab on a dog here, I, I would look at it first five. I mean, I, I've I've tried to get away from that just because, I mean, I, like in a general sense, uh, Daniel, for because sometimes like if you you know for betting these first fives, you you do get taxed a lot uh, when mm -hmm. you're looking at just the raw pitching matchup. And so I had this conversation with Adam Burke, and he can. Break, you know, break down the raw numbers of it better. But sometimes you get cheated a little bit if, if you start falling in love with the first five. So I've tried to stay cognizant of that. But this would be one of those matchups where I, I could only do that just given my lack of trust in the Rangers' ability to actually uh, you know, close out games, which if you're going to bet them full game, you kind of need that to happen. I don't even have that confidence in the Angels either. So this is, this is to that me, a, definitely too. a first five game. Um, but but Adam Burke has brought that up to me as well that it's he tries to actually handicap bullpens because then you can get an actual edge where maybe you get a little bit more value um, if you just do a little bit of research on the bullpen in a full game as opposed to a, a first five. Yeah. Um, See, before I let you go, Ben. You know, yeah, well, I, as am I. As am I. Uh, I made my WNBA bets on Tuesday, Tuesday morning instead of Monday night, like an idiot, uh, and I missed a half point, and that was what decided it. So it ended up on a push. But, uh, that was you, fun. You laid like eleven with the aces. Is that what happened? No, I don't. I don't lay double digits in the uh, WNBA or anywhere else for that. Uh, no, the Liberty plus six. They lost by six. Ah, I should have got the six and a half. Anyways, uh, but Ben, before we let you go, MVP. Uh, so lots of LA players in the top here. We talked about Mookie, but Shohei Otani and Mike Trout at the top of the board here for the AL, and then Aaron Judge kind of around the same spot here as Mike Trout as well. What do you think about these top contenders here? Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of this will. As always, with these races, depend on just team success continuing. And I mean, you look at the Yankees yeah. now, and for all the postseason failures that they've had recently, like it kind of seems like everything's uh, coming together for them. And mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you've got Judge, who is, I mean, he's on like the pace he's on. I talked about earlier, I mean, the Mookie pace, pretty ridiculous for Judge. And he's, I mean, he's playing every day. I don't know that he's going to hit 325 all year. I mean, he's, he's got a bat of well over 350. But when you think about the the hard hit, percentages for for uh, you know for judge and we all i mean when he's hitting the ball i mean 64 percent a hard hit <laughs> contact is i mean that's just absurd what he's doing i i mean i i don't hate that at all when you think about how this this team has been uh just a behemoth and in a very difficult division in the al east you have the voting implications as well big market guy obviously you know, we're talking la new york everybody's big market but judge i mean judge like there's a pretty realistic path then yeah like he could like 60 home runs is i would you know i would honestly like expect that at this point i, I think he could certainly get there especially the, given the park factors and that is even more amazing when you when you consider the uh, the dead ball that we've seen introduced by i made yeah, no one told these guys nobody told uh, Aaron judge so <laughs> is 60 homers 140 rbi is that like out of the um 
know, it's it's not. He could theoretically get there. It would be how, really how hard. excellent does he have to be to outpace Shohei in this award? Because so it's and that's where it, so it gets tough because like I think I mean I still think Shohei is the better value as Cy Young, where he's what nine ten to one. I'm yeah, not, his pitching's like, been elite. Yeah, pitching he's been elite. I'm not sold on Verlander continuing the pace he's on. I, mm-hmm. I really like Kevin Gausman, who's your second favorite, but he's had you know long career injury issues. And so when you have those guys as front runners, uh, I like I wonder at the end of the day, and I still expect, and I don't expect the Angels to keep up this ridiculous winning pace all season. Like if they if they fall, you know, again, and the Trout thing is interesting because again, there's a lot of you know multi-tiered handicapping going on here. But let's say the Angels fall off, let's say Otani continues to be a lead on the mound, but you know the hitting is not it's not what it was a year ago, and that's certainly what it's on pace to be. And if Judge puts, I mean, if those numbers continue for Judge, let's say he drops, you know, it's 300 even say for judge and it's you know and he's going to get to 50 homers and he's going to get to 120 rbi i mean unless so you know again it's always it, you kind of go back to like this the, you know, the bare bones argument we had last year which is how much do you value a two-way player that we've never seen before but like if judge is putting up those numbers it would be hard for me to, you know, to take that away from him especially if the yankees team success continues and if you see any cracks at all uh, from the angels it's 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 just tough uh, will that continue? I don't know. I mean, there's, I mean, there's like an injury track record as well uh, for Judge. But you know, over the last now, it, it's basically been uh, the season and a half where he's been healthy at this point. You take away you know, kind of that back end of 2020. Like, there's no reason for me to believe Danielle, given the park factors and the ways that cover off the ball, that this is going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, and I like what you said. Maybe Cy Young for Otani average velocity in his most recent start, yeah. hardest in an MLB game to date. I'm still pushing the Otani Scion bus. I'm just, I'm going to keep pushing. Yeah, as you should right now, as we all should. Well, follow Ben Wilson on Twitter. Um, you can find him there. He's not the only Ben Wilson on there, unfortunately. So I believe you're way Ben underscore too, Wilson way, underscore one. Yeah. Too yeah. many Ben Wilsons. Way too many. Wait, I'm just, I get lost in the sea. But thank you for having me on, Danielle, because that, that helps yes. with the old profile, you know. Got to boost yes, the algorithm. It's Ben Wilson, not Benjamin. That's, uh, that's just between us. I can call him Benjamin. I've earned the right. You are allowed, yeah. All right. Well, uh, coming up, there's more WNBA to talk about. One game a day for Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, that and more coming up on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Still Danielle Avari, and yes, it is WNBA time. Time to talk about it. Uh, Tuesday, there was nothing that I loved on the slate. We previewed those games in Monday's pod, and I looked back at what I recommended, and I felt good about it, actually. It all played out pretty similarly. I think there was a total that was was not did not hit, but... Even the bets that don't hit, if I feel like the logic and everything was sound, I know it's like, well, it didn't make me money. I understand. Uh, but as long as the logic is sound, then I'm happy because that means if I keep betting like that, then the bad luck, let's say, or the bad beats, if you if you subscribe to those <laughs> or have those yourself, will sort themselves out. I want to make sure the logic's on the right track. 
so that there's long-term success. So for example, uh, probably should have stayed away from Lynx Liberty. I actually talked to our lovely friend, friend of the show, Miles Ehrlich, who covers the New York Liberty for Windsider and has been on the show the last two weeks. I'm not sure that we'll have him for Friday. Uh, we can't steal them every week, but I do think we'll have another WNBA guest that I'm very excited about. Have to follow up with them on that. Busy, busy schedules in season. But I did ask Miles about this game, given that he covers the Liberty. He talks to the media, talks to the coaches, etc. And he did say that the Liberty, even though they had a week off leading up to this Lynx game, that they were basically more injured than they came into the week recovery of. So it was just an unfortunate time to have a week off and just come out of it seemingly worse off. But... I did feel confident at least that they had time to practice and sort out some of the kinks in that way. Uh, still struggling in a lot of key areas um, that are going to stop them from being a real contender in this, I mean, really a top six team that's really going to, that's what I think you're trying to crawl towards in this league at this point, because the Aces have claimed the top spot at this point. Long way of saying, the Lynx did beat the Liberty this was six and a half, I believe, uh, opening, maybe even more. When I got to it was six. I grabbed Liberty plus six, and lo and behold, they lost exactly by six. It pushed. So get the best number. If you wanted Liberty plus six and a half, that would have cashed. Good job. Oh, and I had over 163. And 162 points were scored. Yeah. Also, it looks like that six was going to be covered, and then the Lynx, you know, the Liberty had to foul again at the end to try to keep this alive. Had to. And uh, that final free throw, mm, thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Kayla, for that, uh, is what sealed that six. And unfortunately, one point shy of a push on the total for me. I still think the logic was sound there. There was some really poor shooting in the fourth quarter, and I think the Lynx did a good job of defending the Liberty. Uh, the Liberty did not look as terrible as they looked in games past, but this is just really unfortunate for them overall. That said, after the game, Shell Reeves said that both teams are really battling, desperate for a, a win. And for the first time this season, the Lynx were able to hold an opponent before 40%, which was a goal of theirs. Um, it was against the Liberty, but we'll let her have her flowers. Uh, winning records, like I said, aces at the top here, 7-1 and one now. And at the bottom, the New York Liberty 1-5. and five. If you're looking for the LA team... They're sitting about ninth right now. One of four teams with only two wins. Uh, they are two and five. I'll put them at the ninth spot. And they're facing the uh, eighth team, the Phoenix Mercury. So Wednesday's game, the Mercury at the Sparks. Sparks plus two and a half. Total 164 and a half. Both teams only two wins under their belt. What? I mean, if you looked at this game last year, you would be like, Mercury only are laying two and a half versus the Sparks? Uh, both teams right now kind of in the middle of the pack for points per 100 possessions, but that's what I think is going to drive this game is the offenses. If you look at the offensive ratings, you wouldn't think that necessarily. The Sparks are 8th in offensive rating and the Mercury are 6th. But let's look at the defensive side of things. The Sparks are ninth, and the Mercury are dead last in 12th. Uh, the only thing that I think will affect this game being high scoring is it's one day rest for the Sparks after their loss to the Aces and they got worked. 28-point loss. The Mercury are also coming off of a loss to the Aces. Two in a row, actually. Uh, no Skylar Diggins-Smith for them in that second one. And they lost to the Aces by 20 on Saturday in Vegas. So the Mercury continue to be on the road. Uh, and this, they're both coming off of these losses to the Aces. Uh, that said, if you want to say which defense is doing a little bit more, the Sparks. Uh, they are fifth in points per 100 possession from opponents. Uh, the Mercury defense is allowing the absolute most, so first, which is not a good thing in this situation. Um, just 
no defense to speak of. It's really unfortunate. But speaking of unfortunate, the Sparks have lost five straight, three of which have become by three points or less, but five straight at this point. It's been a grueling schedule, six of their first seven games on the road. And like I said at the top of the show, second home game of the season only here, and last one did not go so well. So are they going to be eager to right the ship of that? Sure, but who's in, who's out? Skylar Diggins-Smith is questionable for the Mercury. For the Sparks, Shanae Ogumike, questionable with a leg injury. And Ray Burrell, still questionable. She was out last game. If you are at all hampered here this in the way that the Sparks are, that does not bode well for them. Um, I don't think that them at home is necessarily anything to chalk up to anything, really. I was actually spoke, speaking with JVT, our senior NBA analyst, who's getting his WNBA on this season. And we were talking about how home court seems like it hasn't really factored in for most of these teams. Um, I think this is going to be come down to the three-point shooting. LA ranks dead last in three-point percentage. They shoot under 30% as a team, and they also rank eighth in effective field goal percentage. Uh, Mercury are fourth in effective field goal percentage, so much better there. Um, they're not necessarily doing much better in the three-point shooting category, but they're just effective field goal percentage overall is much higher. And both these teams, top six in pace, so top half of the league here, fifth in pace for the Sparks and third in pace for the Mercury. The Mercury do take care of the ball a lot better. The Sparks could challenge that a little bit. They can force a couple turnovers here and there. I looked at the games last year. It's virtually not helpful because Brittany Griner was in. Please bring her home. I don't know if I said that every podcast, but we should. Uh, no Brittany Griner for the Mercury, of course, like she was in last season. And also notable in those games versus the Sparks was Skylar Diggins-Smith. And she, again, is questionable. So she seems to have been key in these in these wins. Again, Diana Trossi missed a good amount of last year due to injury. So that's hard to factor her back in, obviously. There's a big boost there. And if you look at the Sparks roster, it's nearly unrecognizable. It's completely brand new. Uh, what I did want to look at, weirdly enough, too, I don't know if this is a weird thing to do, was Mystics versus the Aces last year because I want to see how Tina Charles did versus Liz Cambage last year. And I think that Tina's going to turn it up because Tina outshined Liz, as I expected before I even looked at the games. Uh, and it's funny, they were both on different teams last year, and here, here we see them, uh, two new teams. I think Tina's going to rock uh, rock it out over Liz. And so with neither defense being particularly stout, I'm obviously really excited about playing an over. I've already seen this total move up a little bit since I was interested in that. I'll probably end up playing the full game over. I saw around 163 or so. I know Bet Rivers, I said 163 and a half. So again, already on the move. The over-under for the Sparks this season is already 5-2. and two. Uh, First half over, totally playable. Uh, I think we could see upwards of 80 points in the first half. This might be the bet I like the best is this first half over. Again, totally different from last season, but if anything, an improvement from last season in a lot of ways. Uh, but last season, all three games went over 80 points in the first half. Two were closer to 90 in this matchup between the Sparks and the Mercury. Um, that was with BG for Phoenix, but they have Tina Charles now. Uh, not a replacement, of course, but another big. And, yeah, nearly an entirely different Sparks team, which, again, I think was an upgrade for the Sparks team in a lot of ways, at least offensively a little bit. That said, if I had to pick a side, Mercury Moneyline, I saw that around minus 140 in some spots, uh, as a little bit of juice to lay, and I don't think it's worth it because this game could be a close one if the Sparks can keep up offensively and no Skylar Diggins-Smith for the Mercury. I think that's also huge. 
I think Tina Charles wins the Liz Cambage battle. This could go either way. It should go to the Mercury. They're coming off that Aces loss and you know Diana's pissed. But at the same time, the Sparks are at home and just got whooped by the Aces as well. So who's going to be more mad about what the Aces did to them? That's the question. I like overs. I like overs in this game. We'll see if they get too out of control, but I think that they're very bettable. We'll see what the first half ends up being. And Thursday's game, by the way, if it's 80 or so, I'm, I'm going to be in on that. Thursday's game, also one game, Wings at the Sun. We saw part one on Tuesday, and the Wings get it done, if you can believe it. This Wings team is for real. How fun is this team to watch? And they've had a tough season. Uh, in the next seven games, they have Seattle three times, Vegas, whew, tearing people up, and the Sparks, and then, of course, the Sun again on Thursday. Most of the games are on the road, but Dallas is 4-0 on the road straight up, all as underdogs. I, I, I don't know how many people I saw on WNBA Twitter, who are betting Twitter, I guess, that took wings plus 8.5 in this first game and cashed big. Um this is the side that we said to be on two. We said lean wings. We knew they were going to get a lot of points. That came home. I also said I liked the over. That came home. That actually um, was a bet I placed. I don't know why I didn't grab wings eight and a half. Momentary lapse of judgment. Um, distracted. But I did get the over on Monday night before I started my day Tuesday. Nevertheless, wings go on to beat them. 85 to 77. The over hits. The wings cover as those eight-point dogs. Both teams shot about 40% field goal percentage, about the same amount of shots, but the Wings made seven threes and the Suns made three, okay? The Wings didn't even shoot, I mean, they shot a lot more of them, seven of 22, and the Sun made three of 13. What's going on with the Suns' three-point game? Those made this game. Uh, both teams shot excellent from the free throw line on 20 or more attempts, and wouldn't you know it, this was surprising, but maybe not. The Wings... Uh, the fourth offensive rebounding percentage team ranked, right? Outboarded the number one offensive rebounding team in the sun. And number one by a lot. We've talked about this. They're up in the 40% range and everybody else is 30 or lower-ish. And the Wings, fourth in offensive rebounding, out-rebounded them 37 to 33. And offensive rebounding, 13 to 11. So not huge gaps, but outdid them. Absolutely outdid them. And they're shooting better from three. Absolutely, that's a win every time. Uh, the Wings are third in offensive rating now. The Sun are second. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that for an over. The Wings are seventh in defensive rating. Love that for an over. And the Sun are second. Uh, now, in terms of pace, if you can believe it, the Sun are ninth and the Wings are 11th. And you would think with these high-scoring games that come especially from the Wings uh, that they would be a little bit faster. But what's really doing it is the effective field goal percentage, fifth and sixth for these teams, and three-point shooting, second and third. Three-point shooting percentage for these teams. Uh, High-scoring games coming out. As far as who's in, who's out, the wings are all clear still. That's huge. They have no injuries to report. Nobody missing. They're all full strength now, and we're going to see that. And unfortunate development for the Sun, Jasmine Thomas, who I think has missed like seven games in a full season in all of her career, uh, is out for the season with an ACL tear which is so heartbreaking for her. Uh, but good news for the Wings, I guess. I lean over in this one again. It's tough because it's two teams playing again in a short period of time, so I do expect a little bit lower scoring than we just saw. The Wings got eight points on Tuesday. I can't imagine the sportsbooks will be that generous to give us that many again. Suns should keep this one close and win it. That's how they do it, right? They lose to a team they have no business losing to, <clears throat> the Liberty, and then they get them next time, right? Right? 
Tell me I'm right. Uh, no, the Wings are the hot play right now. They're the hot team right now. It seems like the Sun are a little discombobulated, but they are the much stronger defensive team. Hopefully they can figure this out. Interested to see what the line's going to be for this one, but I do expect another high-scoring one. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast. New shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'll be back for more LA action on Friday. And by my count, which could totally be off, the 100th show. Yeah. If you've been here for even one of those, thank you so much for listening. Uh, come on back for more. And for the 100th show on Friday, the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. <laughs>